Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour with Alex Burr and Dylan Hughes, members and podcast of the Running Hook Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Basketball Power Hour. This week, I am joined by my good friend, Caleb Lynn. Caleb, I do not have a curveball for you this week. We're trying to keep this one short and simple, but has there been any good content that you've been watching lately that you would like to, this is, this is not circle city cinema. Crap. Is there any, is there any good content that you have seen lately that you would like to recommend to the people? Definition of a curveball. Uh, I, I guess I that think is the definition of a curveball. That is a curveball. Cause that is not the question I expected. So you, you should have, you, 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 you counted yourself out there. I, a uh, couple things that come to mind. Uh, I just watched the uh, the Gray Man recently on Netflix. Very very intense, high action quality movie. Uh, Ryan Gosling uh, certainly proving uh, why these roles are more suitable for him compared to Ken. Uh, I also think that uh, when it comes to the the other things that I've been I've been watching, um, I, low key man, I just, I've been like so amped up for Marvel lately because, you know, I watched Thor. I thought similar to Zach as kind of like it's, it's, it's more on the bottom tier, but even then like the com, you know, all the stuff that's getting revealed, it's, it's going to be nuts. So like for me, I, I got, that's kind of been some, some stuff I've been watching lately. Are you excited for black Panther? I see. I, I'm excited for black Panther and even the uh, she Hulk that's coming out in like what, a couple weeks. Is that, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah I, um, I've been watching a lot of stuff since I haven't been doing anything the last couple of days. I've been off of work. Um, shout out. I watched the first season of Breaking Bad. I am about halfway through a re- rewatch of the Batman as long as it was the first time. <laughs> yeah. Still a long movie. Um, it's a lot of good. There's a lot of good movies out there, Caleb. Who would have thought? I want to watch The Gray Man. I've heard it's really good. It, it's but, a very intense movie and it, and they, it's worth it. Also, I want to shout out um, my favorite DC project going at the moment, Inclu- over the Batman, Harley Quinn. Um, ah. What a beautiful roasting of everything DC does. Just <laughs> incredible. Like, I could not have come up. They, they roast everything DC does so perfectly. It's just insane how well they do it. But that's not why we're here today, Caleb. The reason we're here, you know, we want to put out a little bit of power hour content for the folks. I feel like you and I talk about draft when you come on. We're not going to we're going to be doing two parts of this. First part is going to be this part that you're going to be hearing, you know, first week of August. Second part, you'll be hearing whenever top 100 series drops. This part, Caleb and I like to talk about draft stuff and a big draft bomb dropped while Caleb was on vacation in New York City, the Big Apple, some might say, home of Jalen Brunson and the Leon Roses. Um, <laughs> Gigi Jackson, Caleb, I I think you would say the number one recruit. I think 247 had him as the number one recruit in yeah. the 23 class. Yeah. He reclassified. He's going to be going, instead of going to North Carolina, he'll be going to the University of South Carolina. And from my understanding, Caleb, this is just huge huge news in the world of college basketball. Could you explain like what kind of news this has, like just what kind of impact this has on college basketball before we even get to the draft? Well, number one, decommitting from North Carolina is just rare in itself. Right. Most of the time you're going to North Carolina, you're staying in North Carolina. It's, it's like a, a done deal. So the decommitting was already a huge deal, but 
the idea, Alex, that he decided to go the route of South Carolina playing for his hometown, I think it is, is it is really a huge deal. Not necessarily like, I don't even think it's South Carolina is a top five team in the SEC, but I think that, you know, and it probably not, a probably not even make the tournament, but I think that they are, but for a guy of his caliber to want to go play back where he's from, ultimately um, we're not seeing that a lot. And I think that, you know, we, there's a, a step that could be made in that. But the other factor to this is, you know, when he recla- the class that he was in, there is a legitimate argument. He could be the number one pick in the draft. Now, as he reclassifies back, I don't think you can argue that anymore. Um, well, it's it's you, like every time, every, every time I log on Twitter, Caleb, th- yeah. everyone adds an inch to Victor Wembanyama's height. You know, I, yeah. I don't understand. Every time I see a post on Twitter of Victor Wembanyama making a jump shot, he's seven eight. You know, right. I don't, I don't understand. Like he, I've legitimately seen people say he's seven five. Which, if he's seven five, you. Right. It's hard to even fathom. I mean, it's, hard. it's like hard to process. Because like, he's he's two inches taller than Chet Holmgren. And Chet Holmgren's huge. Yeah. And we saw that. I mean, you saw that picture where he's as tall as Zach Eady, Caleb, when Benyama is. Mm. Or is he taller than Zach Eady? I th- Might be taller, honestly. I think he's like seven three. Yeah. So... Wembenyama's huge. Yeah. And also I don't I don't think Wembenyama's not going first. But I agree. I agree. I also think, Caleb, the way this draft class, the 23 class, draft class has been talked about, the top four isn't anything to sneeze at in and of itself. Oh, heavens no. No, like, I mean. You, before you included Jackson. Right. It, it, it's a deep. It, it, if you're hitting in the top five to six in this draft, you're 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 pretty OK with it. I mean, there's a lot of really nice pieces there. It's like last year's. It's like the 21 draft. Yeah. Like this, this last draft, everyone was like, oh, it's a, you know, three person draft. But this, the 21 draft and the 23 drafts might be like league changing in terms of how much depth of star talent they're bringing to the league. And I know, you know, it's obviously really premature to say, but like, is it crazy to say that he could Gigi Jackson, like just could go number two? Like, okay. I'm not, I, I would take him over Henderson. You would? I would not. You would not. Okay. I would so you, not. Would you take him over the twins, the Thompson twins? <clears throat> wow. Um, gun to my head right now. No. Here's because here's, he's got to show. I think here's the, here's the opportunity that he has, Alex, that no other prospect has in the top. 10 of the draft. Even if South Carolina doesn't win and doesn't get to the NCAA tournament, he has the opportunity to show winning habits. And that's going to get brought up more with him than it is with any other player that we're going to talk about in the top seven. Like if you're looking at Nick Smith from Arkansas, Arkansas is really good point blank period. They're final four bust. They, they, you know, you're looking at, you know, Villanova, Kentucky, Duke, guys that have some nice pieces there in the draft this year. Those guys are in championship situations. Jackson is not. So while Jackson may not win as much games, 
you can see from a more individual and highlighted standpoint how he's going to impact winning. And also, I think it's a I think it's fair to ask, um, what exactly is overtime elite? <laughs> um, so overtime, overtime elite, overtime. If you know, for the people that like follow high school preps, it's like this. It was this content way. It was like a fancy highlight reel to prep and to boost up high school basketball players, raise their knowledge, you know, raise their uh, uh, people's understanding of them, uh, providing highlights and basically gaining exposure. But overtime has been recently a really big deal because Kevin Durant's now started to get into overtime and started to buy some stock in it. He started to take it and create it. Other NBA players have started to jump in on it as well. And the company's gotten to be really big. So in turn, what happened was the company just got so big that they just decided, hey, like this is an opportunity for us to, you know, potentially try this out and to potentially give players uh, that that level of you know exposure and and so they're they're really trying to be uh, I really wouldn't say they're trying to be like the G League I wouldn't because I don't think they're necessarily looking for thirty four year old guards uh, to go play in the G League I think they're looking at it as we're going to have like a, a lot of high level prep guys playing against each other on a consistent basis. So you're saying like they're trying to replace like they're trying to pay a bunch of high school guys? Yeah like elite high school guys. Yes. Okay. That makes, they are, they want elite high school guys. They they are not saying let's just go get a three star that has good social media trends. Okay. They want a elite star. I see what you're, that makes sense. You're the first person who's actually made overtime elite (laughs) make any kind of sense. Yeah. So I'll have to actually pay attention to overtime elite next year because who knows, like they're well, the Thompson twins are probably going to go, in the top five, it's uh, we. It's too well, early to say. Well, it's too over, early to say. Overtime, overtime elite. It's fair to say overtime elite has pretty much sucked the last two years. I mean, wasn't that it one has. kid? Wasn't that one um, Montero kid? Montero didn't he not even go get drafted this year? I mean, I think he was second round, maybe the second round undrafted. He's not, that. Like, that's not over. Overtime elite has been a major bust. This this is this is the year where they have to show that they are in business. Then the following season, they have a five star power forward that's going to be in, involved in the league and will be looked at through NBA mock drafts, Alex. So it, it, these next couple years, we will see. But to, to be honest with you, I don't think overtime gives as much exposure compared to the G League. And I, I definitely believe the best way to go is college. Well, it's going to be interesting to watch for sure. Yeah. Gigi Jackson is like by far the highest rated um, <laughs> college guy under consensus 23 mocks. I mean, okay, not Vassini because Vassini has Cam Whitmore going third. But I like Whitmore. I like Whitmore. It just, I, I, that's a hot high. It's very, very high. But I like again, Whitmore. we're a year out. A lot's going to yeah. change. Yeah. By the time we get to June next year, Absolutely. we have we haven't even seen any action from any. I mean, Bingo. women Yama's women Yama's playing, but other than him, no one right. else is playing. Right. So, yeah, we're not even going to be seeing any action from any of these other guys for the next year. So we're, we can we're, we can hold our tongues till then. Yeah. Um, Caleb, I do want to talk about the Warriors offseason because it's been a little not weird. 
Um, they had to let some key pieces go. They let Gary Payton go to the Trailblazers. They let Otto Porter go to the Raptors in a move that you despised and hated. Um, <laughs> they let, and they brought back Kavon Looney on a pretty, I thought a pretty good deal, but I thought Otto Porter was a huge piece for them. I really did. I understand why Otto Porter left, but I thought he was a key swingman. Bielitsa went back to Europe. Um, so Iguodala probably isn't coming back at this point. If I had to guess, they're leaving the roster slot open for him. Caleb, what's your read on the Warriors right now? Like, I, I just feel like they're in. Oh, oh, also, also, I forgot to add. There's a huge story by Marcus Thompson that just came out in the athletic a couple days ago. Marcus Thompson and I believe Anthony Slater that Draymond Green is going to be looking for a max his max extension as soon as it's available to him. And he has expressed desire to go to other teams that the Warriors do not offer him a max. Caleb Lynn, what have you made of the Golden State Warriors offseason? Um, a couple things. Um, if you are too top heavy, you don't win championships. I think what the Warriors had was not top heavy. They were, they had the best player, but they were winning. What won them the series, Alex, was five through 10. When you rank those finals, when you, in my opinion, when you rank the finals, you rank the players that were there. It's very fair to say you could make this argument. I don't think you'll disagree with me. Steph Curry is number one. Boston took the next three spots. Warriors dominated the rest. The depth to me is what took that team over the top. You lost. I mean, to be frank, the defensive backcourt of the Warriors sucks. It sucks. It absolutely sucks. Losing Gary, losing Gary Payton. I don't think is getting highlighted near enough. They are, they are, they do not have a good defensive backcourt. They do not. I should have, I, sh- I should have mentioned they did add Dante DiVincenzo and yeah, Michael right. Green. Well, Caleb, come on, Don- Alex, come on. When, when Dante DiVincenzo is healthy, when he is healthy, he is a plus defender. Now, health has not always been on his side. Unfortunately, yes. When, but you can't take away when he is healthy. They won the finals in spite of him being hurt last year. And you can't deny that if he was healthy last year, I think they would have had a lot better time against the Nets in the first and the second round when Kyrie was healthy. I think it would have been easier. I'm not saying he would have held contain Kyrie, but it would have been a lot easier for them to guard Kyrie. I'm not, I'm not saying Alex, I'm not saying that Dante is a bad defender. No, I get what you're saying. saying. You, 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 but I don't think Dante DiVincenzo should be a best perimeter defender. I I would agree with that. So I mean, you're you if and if you're going to roll out like complimentary guys as your best defenders, then bringing back Gary Payton should have been a thing. You you it's I I am more lower on Thompson than just about everybody in this network, but I don't care. Thompson's foot speed's not the same. Thompson's defense is not the same. You cannot sit here and tell me that Clay Thompson is an all defensive season left in the tank. He doesn't. He just doesn't. He's he's a he's a fine defender. He's fine. Curry is a is I think a little underrated on defense. Uh, I don't think he's great. I don't think he's 
but he just he works hard. And we know that Jordan Poole is like me just going to a free line. It's 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 like it, it's whatever. It's like it's just me. It's just me going through the express at Disney, you know, and, and just going right past the lines of all these people, because that's what it is. It's a layup line uh, I, I, to me, Alex. There's a piece that the Warriors have to have to improve their perimeter defense. That's Moses Moody. Moses Moody can become a good perimeter defender. Maybe this stuff cancels out. Um, I, I I think for me. The Warriors are a team that, you know, they've made some minimal moves, but I think Green has to find a shot to make that move justifiable. He has to be able to find his jump shot because I, I think Porter, I agree with you, Porter was good for the Warriors because he could shoot it. He, he had, he was more, I think, more uh, rangy defensively than Green. And so it, to me, that is a drop off. It's not an insane drop off. Um, I just think. It's very what the part that makes no sense to me is you want to spend you want to spend dollars like nobody's business. So you won't pay Gary Payton that extra couple million per year. I do think that exceptions though, like I think that there are exceptions where they couldn't actually like actual like salary cap exceptions where they couldn't pay they couldn't like actually match like because they had Looney's bird rights, right? So they so. could they could pay him whatever. Yeah. You couldn't actually match the Porter contract. You couldn't actually match. Like, cause I think the, what they gave DiVincenzo is all they had to pay. And what DiVincenzo got was less than what Porter and Peyton got to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just think you, you're, you're, I, I very much value chemistry. If you want to repeat in championships, I very much, I very much believe in that. Um, and I, I don't, I, I think for me, they wouldn't have won the finals if those two guys didn't play. Well, and let's be real, Caleb. I mean, every year there's always a guy on a championship team who leaves or who leaves because they aren't getting paid enough or just, Absolutely. who, just, who yep. just flat gets worse because they're old. You know, I could go through, it's one of those two things, right? Because a lot of yep. championship teams rely on those old former all-stars or for former high-level players who became, you know, cheap <laughs> because they're old, right? Like Otto Porter was really good in Washington. He didn't deserve the max offer sheet that he got from Brooklyn. Was it Brooklyn? It was probably Brooklyn because Brooklyn always threw out those massive offer sheets. He didn't probably deserve that max contract that he got, but I mean, he was a good shooter in Washington. Right. Yeah. I mean, he deserved like he deserved to get paid probably like 15 million a year, even in that climate. You know what I mean? So when you get that guy on a minimum, <laughs> yeah, it's a really valuable contract. And then when you can't afford to pay that guy, it, it makes sense. I would imagine what the Warriors are banking on is huge improvement from Moody and huge improvement from Kaminga and just getting something out of Wiseman. <laughs> Right. Because they got they got a lot out of Kaminga in the regular season. They started to get a lot out of Moody. They got a lot out of Moody in the playoffs, which yeah, I was surprised yeah. by. But yeah. I, I'm not surprised by it, I'll say, because, you know, I was very high on him heading into last draft. Yeah. Yes. But I, I do think, Alex, it, it, it did come out as a little bit unexpected. I mean, it, 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 it just did. It was surprising that they played him so much. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But, but I don't think either of us were surprised that he was capable he was up to the task i think sure, that's more sure. of what, good way to put it yeah like 
he's a good player. Yeah. And I think he's going to be good. Like that's a good get for them at 14. Totally better. I'm, I'm still shocked that there were those reports of them trying to get Duarte. I think Moody's going to be, <laughs> yeah. What were they doing? A, a stud for them for, I, I like Duarte too, but I think Moody's going to be a stud for them for years to come. I really do. And I think the, I think the Pacers should have taken Moody at their team. I really do. I mean, I think, I think they could have used him. No, I mean, I think they could use a three right now. (laughs) Could you imagine just that young core of Halliburton and Moody? That would be, hmm. and and Benny. Yeah. And Benny. What do I know though, Caleb? What do I know though? I'm just, I'm just a guy. Um, (laughs) I didn't watch summer league, Caleb. So I'm not going to act like I saw James Wiseman play for the first time in since the 2020 regular season. Um, I'm really curious to see what they can get out of him. I'm just, I really want to see what he looks like against NBA competition. If he's, cause we saw, right. That gap year really helped Ben Simmons adjust to the speed of the game. It really helped Blake Griffin. It really helps, you know, some like it helped Joel Embiid. It helped Joel Embiid a lot. Right. We saw him. Cause he got to just sit there and study film. I wonder if what that's what James Wiseman needed, you know, is to sit there and study film. I know you're really high on Wiseman, Caleb. What do you think? Do you think he's oh, going to come? Would you think he's going to come back this year? Or do you think he's going to need a little bit of an adjustment period? I'm I'm try, I'm trying to throw this man into playing time, man. Look, I I think with your and the funny part is Alex. Every single guy you mentioned is a front court player. Uh, I think it, to me, it's it, it benefits the front court player, you know, in a way to be able to just kind of adjust to the game and understand the role of which you have to be to have an effective career as an NBA front court player. Wiseman uh, is about as talented of, of a big, uh, I mean, from a talent perspective, he, he is just as talented as most young bigs in the NBA that you throw at me. Uh, he, he's incredibly gifted. Uh, and, and I really think he's got a chance to make a difference here. And, and I think if I'm the Warriors, I'm really trying to what I'm what I'm looking to do for if I was the Warriors is I'm, I'm trying to platoon. him. That's that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to say, give me let's start off with 20 minutes a game. I want you to go all in for 20 minutes a game, all in everything I've got. I want you to come back to the bench so tired. I want 20 every night, hard 20 every night. And then if he just comes out, he feels better. The conditioning gets better. Then I think you will see them move away from having to start Looney. They don't want to start Looney. They don't want to start Looney. You paid, you paid Wiseman. You have Wiseman as the number two pick in the draft. You, you don't want to start. A guy that just, frankly, he's a fine role player. Looney's a fine role player, but you don't want to, you ideally, you're hoping that the Warriors can hit the, you know, that Wiseman can be that guy for you, et cetera. I don't think that's off base, Alex. It's not off base, but man, after what we just saw from Looney in the finals, you know, like Looney was a top, top defensive center, like this whole playoff, you know what I mean? And he's not like a, I think Wiseman has more rim protecting potential. I think that's what yes. he has. Yes. Looney moves his feet on the perimeter. Probably better. I'd say I, I'd agree. Bam does it. Bam does it better. Yeah. Rob Williams does it better. And that's about it at this point. I can't like, it's not a coincidence, Caleb, that those two guys 
we're on the finalists. You know what I mean? Can I, like, can I, can I real quick counter to that? Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you that Looney does a great job switching the perimeter and he's a top of the line guy in that regard. But if you go look at those teams that they faced to get to the playoffs, what challenges did he have to face the center? It was above average, like a top, you know, 15 center in the league. I mean, Jokic. But I think, I think with, but I mean, we saw what Jokic was doing. No, I mean, we saw the numbers that he was, we saw the numbers he was putting up. If, I mean, to be fair, if they had Murray in that series, that's a completely different series because Murray, Murray is like just seeing those clips from the bubble and like Murray and Jokic is an elite, elite two man game. Like it's literally unstoppable. Because there's there's so many different things they can do. They're just elite. But I think that so second round, I mean, Steven Adams and Jaron Jackson weren't really rising to the level. I'll agree. Conference finals. I mean, I thought, listen, I just thought he did a good job sliding his feet on the perimeter containing and like, especially against a guy like Luca, right? I, I thought sure. he did a good job sure. against Luca on the perimeter. Yeah. Like, you, Luca wasn't necessarily target, like, getting the advantage on him. Tatum wasn't getting the advantage on him. Jalen Brown, sure. right? Which is when you see the center now, you're like, okay, um, Dwight, Dwight being Dwight Powell. Sure. Um, okay, Dwight, come up and set the screen for me. That's, I think Looney gets one more year, would be my prediction. And then I think yeah. it's, yeah. And then I think it's Wiseman. So we'll see. I think I'm not, I'm going to say predictions till later in the off season. You know, I'm sure there's going to be more moves, oh, yeah. <laughs> especially before training camp that it'll change the fabric of the NBA as we know it. But I'm so not going to make predictions right now, but I do want to talk about one more team real quick before we move on to the top 100 and end this particular episode. Um, I want to talk about the Miami heat because they are, in a really, really interesting spot. So, Caleb, as you know, they lost PJ Tucker. Um, no really other moves from them. They retained basically all their guys. They re- brought back Caleb Martin, brought back Victor Oladipo. Um, do you know who ESPN has listed as their starting power forward right now? I do not. Do you want to guess? I don't know, like year seven? No, it is not year seven. Uh, it, let me give you a hint. Go blue. I'm trying to think. So, so he's a Michigan player. He's a Michigan player. Who's the only Michigan player on the team? Duncan Robinson? Yes. No. They have him listed as the power forward. Well, you it's do you want to hear the power forward option? So, you know, ESPN does the second, fourth and fifth string. I mean, so sure, sure. They have Markeith Morris listed as the second string. Caleb Martin, Caleb Martin listed as the third string. Why? Jimmy Butler listed as the fourth string. <laughs> I don't think it's that's a that's a stretch. This I, is I don't, I'd rather have. Uh, I, I'm not Sanchez. He, if if that's really what their plan is, it's dead power forward. That's embarrassing. Do you want to know what I think is going to happen, Caleb? Do you remember? Do you remember what they did in 2020, 2019, 20 when Bam? I think he won Most Improved Player. Or was that Brandon Ingram? It was one of the two. Uh-huh. But 
when Bam really broke out was like an all star and was one of like mm. really took a step forward into everyone's national consciousness. Sure. I think they're I think they're gonna start Deadman probably. Deadman or Yurt Seven. I think they're gonna probably start Bam at power forward. But Caleb, I thought they were really good last year in their like quasi small lineup, having you know four shooters. At Caleb, I just I can't help but feel like they're going to take a step back next year if they don't replace that power forward hole. I don't even honestly. I don't unless they like go get a star. I don't even think it matters. I think the conference got so much better, Alex, that you can't just you can't as a top three seed in the East. I, I will argue that's out of the cards. You yeah. you you have uh, even even I. I'd even go as far to say maybe a top five. You you have if you're the if you're the East right now and you're looking at these teams, right? I've got Phil, I've got I've got Boston over him. I've got Milwaukee mm-hmm. over him. I got Philly over him. I got uh oh uh you crap, can make I just a case. had the team. I just had the team. Crap. You can make a case Cleveland's better than them, especially uh, you with good. Yes. Especially with the way they played in the regular season last year. Chicago, you know I love Chicago's off season. Like that's you, that's like that's five. Yeah. Maybe if Brooklyn stays, that's that, mm-hmm. that's six. And I think that's the problem I have with Miami's offseason is that they're putting all their eggs in this Kevin Durant basket and they didn't actually go out and get like a guy. I, right? They didn't go out and get like you didn't need to hit a home run. No, nope, you didn't. No, nope. you needed to. You, you were really close last year. You were one game away from the finals. Right. I didn't think they could beat the Warriors personally. But you were one game away from the finals. At that point, you're on the you're on you're on the doorstep, man. You're this close. You needed a you, double. Yes. You needed a double. Okay, a, a double. A double. A double's fair. But you just you didn't need a home run, is the point. No. They're the heat, the problem with the heat, and this is always the problem with the heat, is that they're always going for the long ball. They're never, ever, ever trying to play it safe. And which I mean, you know what? That's fine, right? There's a lot of teams that are always going for singles and doubles, right? Like, look at the Pacers. Yeah, right. The Pacers have never gone for a, like have never gone for a home. Like, Aiton was probably their Aiden first home close. run. Yeah, Aiton was them liking it for third, right? <laughs> for the first time in a while, you know. Yeah, they never ever go for the home run. So good for the Heat for always going big, but sometimes you don't need to go big. Like, look no. at what the Sixers did this offseason. Wow. They went small. They didn't need to go like they got Melton. They got they improved their depth a lot. They got PJ Tucker. They got Daniel House, who, by the way, I don't know where all this Daniel House backlash came from. Yeah, I thought he was pretty good for Utah last year <laughs> on a huh. team that didn't have a whole lot of defenders. He was playing a lot for them. Yeah, he was. Philly will have. I just their depth will be very. Their, I like their depth a lot. So, it's it's yeah, a lot better this year. Yeah. Like I don't I don't know where all this Daniel House backlash came from, yeah. but. The Heat just need guys, and they don't like. They have a lot of like. You brought up the Warriors having a lot of front court depth. The Heat have a lot of backcourt depth, like a lot. Like, yes, I. It's at this point, I would attach a first round pick to Duncan Robinson and just say, give me like a mediocre forward. I agree with that. Like, I maybe maybe even two. Like honestly, just like give me like I don't know who's a mediocre like whoever the equivalent of Trevor Ariza is. You know, mm. <laughs> and you know, Vanderbilt. that's about, yeah, Vanderbilt. I mean, honestly, go to Utah, like, but no, go that, to Utah. That, 
that that would be a problem, Caleb, because Vanderbilt can't shoot. You the no, but, or, Bogey, or, or Bogdanovich. I, and you know, I don't like Bogdanovich, but if you had Bogdanovich to the four, he he would give them what they need. Bogdanovich next to Bam would be because <laughs> honestly, Bogdanovich can guard the post. Yeah, I'd actually, and you know, I don't like him, and you know, I don't like him, but I'm, I'm telling you, I think that'd be a good fit there. <laughs> and the salaries would match perfectly. Actually, I really like that a lot. I, I knew you would. I knew- <laughs> But yeah, that's literally, and that's a double. That's not even. That's a double, right? And right. that's honestly better than them. That's a better addition than them going for Gallinari all those years ago. No, like you remember when they were trying to go for Gallinari at the twenty twenty deadline? I think yeah. Bogdanovich was better then, and he's better now. Way better now. Totally agree. I'd much rather. To- but you, you, you know, you know how I feel about Gallinari. But you also know how I feel about Bogdanovich, and I'm taking Bogdanovich over Gallinari. I mean. Yeah, I I was taking Bogdanovich over Gallinari at the time. I mean, sure, I was I was too, I was too. But you you, you know what I mean. Yeah, we don't need to get into this. No, no. But yeah, I just Jimmy Butler. I think you'll be surprised how high I have him in the top one hundred. I'll just say that he is interesting. He is really good, really good. One of the best players in the NBA. Bam! In spite of how bad his playoffs was, and make no mistake about it, it, it was dreadful. I still think he's a top 25 player in the league. I really do. I'm not as down on him because his defense, they need more help on offense, right? And a lot of that has to come from Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry, I don't know if you've seen the photos, Caleb. He looks like he's in a lot better shape. He looks like he's in a lot better of shape. So if they can get some of that offensive production they needed from Kyle Lowry, like they literally won a game just because Kyle Lowry had an average game last playoffs. If they can get vintage Kyle Lowry next next year they might just be in the top three again just off the basis of that alone but they i i can't help but feel they need more front court depth and it's just i feel like that's going to be a problem for them you have to they have to get more front court and for and for crying out loud like I, i'm crediting miami and then the same time i'm bashing them you you they know how to go find guys that like are completely unexpected and turn a 180 in their career so be comfortable with that understanding. Be comfortable with that understanding and pursue that double. Pursue a triple. I, to me, to me, it, it is it is mind-boggling, Alex, that we aren't hearing more talks of heat in Utah. That's mind-boggling. They they've got guys that fit what they need. Utah, you it, it, to me, it, it I don't I don't get it. They've got guys they need. You could go through the list. I would argue with you, Alex. If you're going to try to get something at the guard spot, you need a bucket getter. You need a bucket getter. You, they, it felt like they were lacking with Tyler Hero. Give me a break with this Booker crap, but Tyler Hero is like a incon, very inconsistent offensive option. I think that's fair to say. And I think that hurt him. And, you know, it, it, and I think what I would do is I would make Hero become an, a better defensive player. And I, again, you could argue Clarkson. Maybe. I don't know. I'm just not as I'm not. Miami has to be doing something because this yes. roster to me is not top five in the East. It's it's not. I would agree with that, um, especially I'm really high on Cleveland right now. Like I'm really I like Cleveland. the way they played in the last regular season, like before the injuries, Caleb, I don't think it's a fluke. I no. really don't. And I know that they fizzled out in the play in games. But they missed half their roster. They got it all back like right before the play-in game. 
I just, I really can't take that not seriously. I feel like Philly is a good regular season team. Playoff team is really like, but I, I really like Philly. Alex. I think they could be, I think they could be the first seed again next year. Boston and Milwaukee, you know, they're just going to be solid. Like they Atlanta? always are. We forgot it's about like, Atlanta. Yeah. Like the East is tough. Yeah. <laughs> you can't rest on your laurels. You just yeah. can't. Right. And Pat Riley's not, I, listen again, you have to respect it. He's always going for the home run ball, but sometimes you just need to make moves around the margins. Your team. I genuinely think this is a championship level team. Totally. I really do. You just have to hit around the margins and they aren't going for that. And it no, pisses me off. Yeah. So Caleb, on that note, I think this is a good time to transition to the top 100. Oh, so you'll be hearing that a little bit later on. Um, Caleb, tell the people what you got, since this will be a lot more recent by the time this comes out. Sure. Tell the people what's what he you got coming on Linsanity. Oh, man, the heat that's coming on Linsanity is incredible. I mean, I am throwing fastballs like Francisco Rodriguez. I'm unstoppable right now. We've got we've got divisional content coming out the woodworks like nobody's business. Bryce Shaddy and I, um, Bryce, my co-host, he uh, he's been kicking the game lately. We've we've got uh, we've got so much content coming. Guests are coming through the roofs. Uh, we got Dylan Hughes just on uh, a couple of days ago, just just killing it for us uh, as he discusses the AFC East. Uh, there's some really, really nice, high quality takes for you to sit there and bash. We have uh, we have we have good content uh, at the NFC North. Shout out DJ Deke. Fantastic to have him back on. And and we, we've got plans to bring on some other guests as well. Uh, this coming week, we've, we're doing a double up. Uh, so we're going to have two podcasts out for you. AFC West, NFC West, Zach Griffith will be joining us. Uh, from my understanding, he's not very pleased with a couple of those teams. So that'll be, it'll be a joy to, to have him on. So uh, we, we, we're definitely excited for what's going on right now. Very, very excited, right? I, I, it's, it's Bryce and I's favorite time to do podcasts. Uh, it's not close. Uh, we love being able to break down the divisions and, and have all these people on to join us. And, uh, and I, and I hope you feel that as listeners, because I know we, 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 we feel it as we're recording the podcast. Make sure you check that out. Make sure you check out Circle City Cinema. I don't know what Zach's got coming out next, but when he does, um, make sure you check that out. <laughs> you said it, not me. Um, by the way, real quick, Francisco Rodriguez in 2004 did not have a lot of saves, but 123 strikeouts in 84 innings. Pretty good. Francisco Rodriguez knew how to throw a mean fastball down the pipe. There was nothing that anybody was going to do in his prime years with the Angels. Nothing. That's, I mean, that's like today numbers. That's, that's insane. Insanity. Yeah. yeah. Why do you think I made a comparison? I can't believe a reliever (laughs) threw 84 innings in 2004. That's ridiculousness. But make sure you check out all this stuff we have to offer on the Running Hook Podcast Network. I'm recording a ton of power hours in the coming weeks. So I'm holding a lot of them because I, like I said, I'm moving in August. So, and the Wi-Fi situation will be a little bit tricky, but make sure you check those out because this isn't, you know, a good time for basketball podcast. So at least you'll be getting something. Be grateful listeners. Um, make sure you check all these out and thank you all so much for listening. 